It's six o'clock, and you are tuned to Community Radio, KVMR, FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. Today is Thursday, August 5th, 2021. I'm Claudio Mendonça, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. Extreme fire conditions continue across Northern California, and wildfires have forced thousands to evacuate their homes. Tonight's California report covers our very own river fire before exploring COVID-19 breakthrough cases in Los Angeles. Then, after a brief look at local news and weather, we'll listen to Hospitality House's Needs of the Week, followed by Bravehearts. This week, we hear part three of a four-part interview with Jamal Walker, Community Relations Coordinator for the City of Grass Valley. We close tonight with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Lily Jamali. We'll start with the river fire burning near Colfax, about an hour's drive west of Lake Tahoe. That blaze broke out yesterday afternoon in Placer County along the Bear River before quickly burning into Nevada County. Here's Cal Fire Deputy Jim Hudson. It was aligned with the weather. We've had drought conditions. We've had very dry weather. The relative humidity has been low. And, and once the fire started, it, 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 it was a recipe for rapid fire growth. Um, for anybody that's worked in this unit for a long time, that is a target area of ours. We have a lot of concerns about the Bear River drainage. The fire has destroyed or damaged at least 35 structures and is threatening thousands more. All told, at least 6,600 residents have been ordered to evacuate their homes at this time, and the fire has burned 1,400 acres. Also yesterday, the massive Dixie Fire burning in Plumas and Butte counties tore through the town of Greenville, destroying homes and businesses there. The Plumas County Sheriff's Office posted an urgent message to residents in Greenville yesterday afternoon, telling them that they were in, quote, imminent danger and had to leave immediately. Jake Cagle is with the U.S. Forest Service. A lot of people chose to stay in here. This is a big problem that we're having. These are not the normal fires anymore. The way the fuels conditions are, the way the red flags are, uh, it's just intense fire behavior and it's not what we're used to. Officials had ordered the town to be evacuated on Monday as the fire approached the area. The Lassen County Sheriff's Office issued new evacuation orders and warnings for several areas yesterday south of Highway 44. A red flag warning remains in effect until later tonight for the entire area covering the Dixie Fire, as dry conditions and low humidity are once again expected. All told, the fire has burned more than 278,000 acres, making it one of the largest in state history. We're going to go to Los Angeles now, where breakthrough COVID cases are on the rise among the vaccinated. Just a tiny number of vaccinated people get sick enough for the hospital, but some won't even know they have COVID. But as KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports, some people who thought they did everything right are still getting sick. In early July, Jenny and Mike McCarg stood in line with their two teenage daughters for the Peter Pan ride at Disneyland. It was their first big outing in months. They were excited to spend a few days at the park, but seeing thousands of people without masks was jarring. Mike even said that first day, the probability of people walking in the park that had COVID and from there that had the actual Delta variant. They wore masks on the trip, but the night they drove home, Jenny felt ill. Then a couple of days later, I really was noticing I couldn't smell and taste. She opened a jar of garlic to see if she could smell it. She said, I think I can smell this. And it almost knocked me over on the other side of the room. And I said, uh, I'm going to go get us COVID tests right now. 
Despite being fully vaccinated, both Mike and Jenny tested positive for COVID-19. I did start crying because it was like we did everything right. Weeks later, their younger daughter tested positive. And now what we have to be in another kind of forced lockdown, you know, just when we had this little bit of freedom. As the Delta variant has become more prevalent, infections among fully vaccinated residents are rising. In March, vaccinated people accounted for just 2% of all infections in L.A. County. Now, about a quarter of new COVID cases in L.A. are among people who have already been vaccinated. But very few of them get sick enough to go to the hospital. The real issue is that we don't know the transmission rate, but we do know it's happening. Eric Topol is a molecular medicine professor at Scripps Research. He says Delta is simply more dangerous. It has a shorter incubation period of just four days, making people contagious sooner, and it tends to produce even more virus inside people's bodies. That means some vaccinated people will transmit the virus to others. You know, obviously it's going to be low because most people vaccinated are not going to get infected. And even those who do get infected, a lot of them are going to be asymptomatic and only detected through testing. Topol says it's impossible to predict exactly how Delta will behave in the future. But watching other countries like India gives us some clues. Delta virus outbreaks tend to last 10 to 12 weeks. We have to face it. It's going to be circulating for, for several weeks. And during that time, wearing a mask indoors, especially, is important. California's statewide mask mandate was scrapped in June when cases were low. That's when millions of people, including Nina Storm, headed out to newly reopened restaurants and comedy clubs. A few weeks later, she tested positive. What I've gone through is basically like having a bad flu, which isn't the end of the world as much as it's not been fun. She's recovering and has never doubted her decision to get vaccinated. Absolutely stand by it 100 percent. Had I not been vaccinated, it could be much worse, much longer, much more extreme, much scarier. Only a tiny fraction of vaccinated people end up in the hospital due to COVID. But some people do have more serious cases. A few days after they got back from Disneyland, Jenny McCarg convinced her husband Mike to go to the ER. He was having trouble breathing. By that evening, he was like, yeah, I think it's best for me to go. Mike was eager to check out as soon as his blood oxygen improved. It's taken a few weeks, but his cough and constant fatigue are slowly getting better. But now he has other worries. Yeah, I'm terrified of when the bell comes. You're literally saying, like, do I want potentially life-saving medical intervention at the cost of truly debilitating medical debt? It's a terrible situation. Under federal law, health insurance companies are not required to cover the full cost of COVID treatment. During the height of the pandemic, some insurers chose not to charge COVID patients. But now, some companies are quietly changing back to business as usual, leaving even fully vaccinated people to wonder, if I get COVID, how much will it cost? For The California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Support for The California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org adaptingcare adapting care. 
And that is the California Report for this Thursday, August 5th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you for listening. The River Fire is currently holding at 2,400 acres, according to Cal Fire. Earlier today, Steve Baker talked to Pascal from Ubinet.com. Here's Pascal. The fire is indeed just skunking around, and yeah, there are hot spots, and there's some there's some open play, but um, we did an amazing job overnight with the hot spot crews and the dozers. Uh, and, you know, uh, it is amazing how quiet it is. There are, um, right now, there are a couple helicopters that are working the fire because, you know, they, they, they're they just dropping on the hotspots and they're cooling that down, you know, the very steep stuff uh, where it's hard for firefighters to get to in the in the Bear River Canyon. But there's no air tankers on the fire because they're not needed. That is probably the best news that, that we could, could have hoped for because yesterday every available air tanker in the state was on that fire. In regional weather, in Nevada City and Grass Valley tonight, Areas of smoke after 11 p.m., then clear with a low around 61. Friday, areas of smoke otherwise sunny with a high near 94. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe tonight, widespread haze and smoke after 11 p.m., otherwise mostly clear with a low around 43. Friday, expect the same with a high near 82. Finally, for our listeners in the Valley, Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, Patchy smoke after 11 p.m., otherwise clear with a low around 60 degrees. Tomorrow will be smoky, sunny, and hot with a high near 100. Now it's time for Hospitality House's Needs of the Week, followed by Bravehearts. This week, we hear part three of four of an interview with Jamal Walker, Community Relations Coordinator for the City of Grass Valley. Hi, I'm Christina Abkarian, Marketing and Development Specialist at Hospitality House. Hospitality House is a year-round emergency homeless shelter for the general homeless community in Nevada County. Since the onset of the pandemic, we shifted into a 24-7 operation working in partnership with multiple agencies around town in a collective effort to help as many people as possible in crisis. And the needs of the shelter for this week are disposable masks and gloves, new pillows, blankets, twin-size bottled water, toothpaste, men's jeans sizes 32 and smaller men's and women's deodorant men's shoes sizes 10 and up men and women's sandals all sizes backpacks please drop off urgent items or mail them to utah's place located in the brunswick basin past the dmv at 1262 sutton way in grass valley for a tax receipt please ring the doorbell and wait for someone to come outside to assist you we greatly appreciate the community's help at such times of uncertainty. In the words of Utah Phillips, if we all stick together, we'll get what we need. Thank you.
Welcome to this edition of Brave Hearts, where we hope to increase your awareness and understanding of what homelessness looks like and some of the many organizations working on solutions to improve the homeless crisis. We are your hosts, William Wallace and Betty Louise, and these are the Brave Hearts. Part three of Jamal Walker talking about bringing more unity and compassion to our Grass Valley community. Well, I interact with everyone involved with the police department as well as, I should be clear that my position officially runs through um, the city of Grass Valley. So okay. I'm employed by the city of Grass Valley, but I work under Alex Gamblegard through Grass Valley um, Police Department. So I'm engaging with all different sectors of the city and the community. And that position that you're speaking of and pairing an officer with a mental health worker has now happened and has been up and running for about three months now, I believe. Grass Valley Police Department applied for a grant through the CalVIP program and received that grant to be able to pair a social worker with an officer full-time to respond to mental health cases and issues. And what they are doing, to the best of my knowledge right now, is that they actually are a team that is going out and working specifically with our homeless members of our community right now. So that's that's their focus. That's what ah, they do. They go out okay. and engage on a daily basis with members of our community who are dealing with homelessness and help to get them the services that they need both around mental health but also around helping people to, of course, get at least temporary housing and get them in connection with all of the wraparound services that our community provides to help them not only end the cycle of of homelessness, but to get them to a place where they can start to become or return to being full, productive members of society which many of them are or were. So right. I'm glad you exactly. pointed that out. You know, I recently spoke with Free and they said, you can't believe the resumes of some of these folks that right. are now living on the streets. And, and I've spoken with a few of them myself. How do you interact with homeless people? I've been recently doing some work with Spirit House and talking about what projects they're working on in, in coordination with Hospitality House to provide more housing. I'm also uh, just recently become a part of the, the board for Hospitality House, so I'm getting to see much more of what's happening there in, in terms of the work that's being done and being able to surely take more part in that. I'm actually just beginning my own video series about what I'm calling the many faces of homelessness mm. in our county. Uh, so I'll be uh, talking not only with interviewing people who are experiencing homelessness right now, and, and the goal of that is to show, again, like it says in the title, the many faces, being able to talk with people who uh, maybe this is the first time they found themselves in this situation. Uh, maybe they had a catastrophic illness that they couldn't pay for that landed them in this situation. Talking to um, members of our community who maybe have been in this situation for a while because of long-lasting life circumstances. Sometimes it's generational poverty that people are dealing with that has them in the situation. Some people find themselves in that situation. Uh, they were doing just fine. They raised family and kids, had a home, and then 
they lose a job and then get sick and then have nowhere to turn and find themselves in that situation. And so that's how I will be interacting with everybody. I'm lining up all of those uh, interviews as we speak. And then also interviewing people who are frontline workers, helping people get the services that they need so that they can talk about what are some of the issues that they're seeing come up and trying to get people the services that they need and what does homelessness look like to them being frontline people talking to directors of these programs and what are the things that they're seeing as they're gathering all this information and data through all of the different wraparound services that we have so the hope is to help to foster more unity and compassion for what homelessness looks like thank you for joining us today our hope is this segment has opened your heart and mind Be well and be kind. This project was made possible with support from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Please visit calhum.org. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. I wrote my commentary yesterday about feeling weirdly carefree and not worried about fire. Then a fire started nearby that scared the pants off me, so I can't in good conscience use the commentary. It would be lying, and I'm too freaked out to write anything else. Instead, here's a friend's take on this same fire. I hope you're all taking care of yourselves. Sarah Miller writes, There's a new fire near me, the River Fire, outside Colfax, California. At this moment, it's not that close, maybe 20 miles from here. Some of our friends have evacuated. I am not in the middle of a fire. I am just a very anxious person. Plenty of people are going about business as usual, so don't feel too sorry for me. T and his father are hard at work, Doubtless my friend the Badger is in the middle of a heated Zoom meeting about salamanders. I don't know how anyone is doing anything. Every time the wind blows, my heart starts to beat fast, and I feel like I'm going to be sick. Wind is really the bad, bad thing for fires, which I didn't know until recently. I never bothered to think about fires until a few years ago. When I was growing up, I was too busy thinking about rain or snow. Would it ever stop? Would the sun ever come out? Now I am sick of the sun. I almost wrote, curse the sun, but it's just being itself. Curse the oil companies, the car companies, the biomass companies, the pellet mills, and most of all, curse this system that made everyone go to jobs to build our world, so much of which we don't need, so much of which just makes rich people richer. The fire started about 2 p.m. on Wednesday. At around 3.30, out the kitchen window, I saw a weird brown stripe in the sky. The badger, who was working on our porch, agreed the stripe did not look good. I'd planned to go swimming with my friend Molly, and I went, even though I was anxious. The fire was due south of the lake, or at least that's how I understand it. The smoke plume arced from the southeast corner of the lake to its northwest corner. As we swam, it came closer to us. A motorboat blasting Taylor Swift's love story went past with a skier. Those people do not look concerned, I said. Molly said, they certainly don't. Children playing on the rocky beach screamed to each other, you have ash on your face, 
And look at the sun, it's orange. When I got home, the fire had grown to 1,000 acres. Throughout the evening, nearly 5,000 people were on mandated evacuation, about the same number on suggested evacuation. We had cucumbers and corn for dinner. Then we drank scotch, watching Outer Banks, which was at first transporting and then dull. We watched a reality show called Sexy Beast that I kind of loved but don't need to see again and will not explain to you. You must see it for yourself. I woke up to coffee and no new evacuations, but a feeling of terrible unease. It's a quarter of one now and the fire's at about 2,500 acres. The last update was somewhat encouraging, but it's all up to the wind. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That wraps it up for tonight. If you'd like to hear our newscast again, you can do so on our webpage, kvmr.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our thanks go out to Harmony Books of Nevada City, locally owned for over 25 years, next to the Chamber of Commerce at 130 Main Street, open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 5.30, Sundays, 11 to 4. Harmony Books carries thousands of books, including local authors. KVMR Evening News airs Monday through Friday from 6 to 6.30 p.m. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Have a good evening.